I think it's critical no matter where you're at on the entrepreneur spectrum, but especially when you move from solopreneur to company, you have to think differently about that. And you need to like think super intentionally about it because you're not the only one who's depending on that anymore. How do you grow and scale your business while avoiding entrepreneur poverty? Hi, I'm Buzz and I've spent over 20 years marketing for entrepreneurs just like you. I've learned there's no one secret to success, but a series of strategies to help business owners scale at will. On this podcast, we uncover invaluable insights that successful entrepreneurs and industry experts use to profitably scale businesses. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. In every business, there always seems to be more to do than there is time or resources to get them done. This is especially true for smaller businesses and solopreneurs. Shoot, I still had this problem when I had a team of 22 full-time employees. So what is it that we are trying to do too much? Or are we just not good at managing our resources correctly? Or is it a little bit of both? To help me peel back the onion on this proverbial chicken and egg issue is Saren Duran. She is a freelance project manager and solopreneur coach. She's an operational expert and has been a project strategist for over a decade, designing and leading projects for various organizations, helping businesses refine systems and processes. She started her company, Fruition Initiatives, to help businesses turn their ideas into action. She joins us today to discuss how to better manage time and resources in our businesses. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, man. No, thanks for coming. Uh, where are you located? I'm just outside of Denver, Colorado. It's actually pretty cloudy, but I have a window like right there, which is why it uh, <laughs> looks sunny. Very good. Gotcha. Awesome. I didn't see a, a big sweater. Uh, like I have Springfield, Illinois, a little bit more north there. And it's a little chilly today, but uh, you're outside of Denver. So it's it's high and cold, correct? Yes, it is. It is not <laughs> warm. <laughs> it's not warm today by any stretch of the imagination. Awesome. So you work from home then, huh? You're a free, you said you're a freelancer? Yep. I'm a freelancer. So I exclusively work from home. Nice. How long have you been doing that now? You said a decade, but it was it always been as a, as a freelancer? So I've been a project manager for ugh, it's probably over a decade now, probably pushing close to 12, 13 years there. But um, mm -hmm. I've been working for myself for it'll be eight years this year. Okay, great. So we have a lot going on, right? We have all these dreams and we have all these objectives that we, we set for us. And do you think that we try to do too much at any given time? Or are we just bad at managing all the projects on our plate? I think it's a little bit of both and also probably varies by person. And for any individual entrepreneur, it's going to vary at any point in your journey, depending on what you're trying to achieve. Okay, let's talk about solopreneurs first. Mm -hmm. Is it that they're just trying to do too much on their own or is it that they can't prioritize it well? For solopreneurs in particular, it's really hard to think about scaling and delegating. 
if you're a person like me, who's not really, I'm not really interested in like growing some sort of like huge company. Right. So I'm pretty Mm -hmm. limited to what I do. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I don't partner with people. It doesn't mean I don't have like um, a VA or like other people that help me out here Mm -hmm. and there. But primarily, I'm doing mostly what I do for myself by myself. And so that means that I have to be really strategic about what I take on. And it also means I have to be really strategic about the systems I put in place to achieve my goals. I'm a project manager, so it's pretty natural for me. Like systems are just the way I think. Process is just the way I I operate. That's definitely Mm -hmm. not true for everyone. That definitely, I work with a lot of um, creative solopreneurs. So Mm -hmm. um, folks who have gone out on their own to be able to like do the creative work they want to do and actually get paid for it. Mm -hmm. A lot of those folks aren't always great at systems and processes just because like they're right brained folks, like they're creative. And a lot of times the actual day to day of running their business gets in the way of them doing the work that they went out on their own to do. It kind of depends on the type of person you are, whether you are like a systems and process thinker or whether you're not. Either one of those scenarios, you're definitely going to benefit from a thinking about delegating and bringing in folks to help you, even if you're not building a full team and b really thinking about how do you systematize your work. For me, this is like more of a business model question of like, how do you prioritize Mm -hmm. the type of work you do and how you do it? So that you're Mm -hmm. maximizing the amount of time you have to actually do what you're best at. And I think that that bleeds into when you start having an in-house team as well, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that there's people who are solopreneurs, they're not doing 100% everything, right? They're delegating to, you know, a freelance X, you know, project management is that Mm -hmm. you're a freelancer for them. You're doing some project management for them so they can be in the weeds of whatever they do. So like a designer needs to design. So it's like, hey, can you manage other pieces of the project for me, dot, dot, dot. And so as we get past being a solopreneur and we start bringing on employees, we're doing that because we have so much to do that we need somebody there on a constant basis in front of us. A lot of people, they're, they're like, I need somebody right here. Now in the virtual world, I feel that we are learning how to utilize VAs and freelancers for the things we might not need somebody maybe 20 hours a week, which is probably the minimum anybody would really want to work at a company. But we can have somebody like you where it's like, well, I'll give you a few hours here. I'll give this other person a few hours here, dot, dot, dot. And so now we're outsourcing these small pieces that allow us to open up our bandwidth. But then I still feel like we empty the glass of bandwidth, right? Mm -hmm. And then we just fill it back up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is is maddening because it's like, I I, I do it myself. I'm like, oh, wow, look at all this time. Oh, there's this passion project all of a sudden I'm going to now go ahead and grab and put on my plate only to then go, oh, crap, something blew up. And now we have to, or we get a big project right? One or the two, right? It's either crisis or opportunity come. And it's like, oh, we either have to do this or we really want to do this. But you just put in this passion project in front of you as an entrepreneur and now you can't just stop it. So mm-hmm. you like you say, oh, I can push through it, right? So how can we better prioritize all of the things we want done seemingly at the same time in our business? 
The way I usually coach people on this kind of thing is really getting clear. And this is whether you're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur, like with a team. I would say mm-hmm. that when you're starting out and then something that you should be thinking about at least annually, if not more, is just like really rethinking what you want to be doing, what you love mm-hmm. and what you're good at. When you have a team doesn't mean that what you are good at is the only thing that you do, right? That's the whole point of like having right. a team. But I think that a lot of us fall into a trap of just like chasing shiny objects or when you're especially in the solopreneur case, but I think this applies to entrepreneurs too, you get into this feast famine mentality where any opportunity that knocks on your door, you feel like you have to say yes. Even if it's something that maybe you're not that thrilled about or you're like, I'm actually not that great at this, but like I'm going to do it anyways. Or in a lot of cases, I think it's something that you maybe are really good at, but you just don't like doing. And you're like, oh, it won't take me that much time. Like, it's super easy. I'll just, whatever it is. Right. And so I think it's like evaluating what your priorities are and what is the why of your business when you're solopreneur, that's like your why, right? Like, right. why are you doing what you're doing? And having that and reevaluating that constantly gives you this litmus test where you can gut check yourself when those kinds of things come down the pike to say like, do I really want to do this? Or I think, is it really why I'm in business? Like, exactly. is this the vision of the company, exactly. right? Yeah, because it's hard to say no to stuff. I find myself doing it all the time where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to like, I'm, I'm at capacity, like I'm at capacity. <laughs> and then something like I get an email or I have a coffee with someone and I'm like, oh, maybe I could just like squeeze that in like over here. Mm. And sometimes that makes sense, right? Like sometimes for, for whatever reason, it's something that is new and exciting or it's something where you're making a really important connection with someone that could lead to future work. Um, moving mm-hmm. forward. So whatever it is, like sometimes you just have to figure that out. Right. But I think that a lot of us don't have that explicit like statement for ourselves mm-hmm. of like, this is mm-hmm. why I do this. And this is what I want to be doing in order to like, just gut check ourselves as we move forward. I love that. Like the personal gut check, I think is the hardest thing to do, right? Because we get into the mind, like you were saying, like there's this opportunity and I know I'm at capacity, but it's good for my business. Mm-hmm. But like for you, you're a lifestyle business, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to build my business beyond me, right? And I have a couple times now. And and so I guess technically I'm a serialpreneur. There you go. So there's all these new words. I'm technically a veteranpreneur too, because I was in the military before I was a business owner. So anyway, I digress. So when we do the gut check on the personal side of like what we should be doing in our business, mm-hmm. I think is what I'm hearing you say. But then it's like the vision of the business. Why is the business even exist? Yeah. If we can't stay clear on that vision, I think that we get sidetracked with all the shiny objects you were talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so when you feel like your team is stretched thin, I would almost think that we need to go back to our vision and our mission and then compare that to all the objectives we have on our plate and say, are all of these feeding directly to our mission and our vision? Yeah, absolutely. When you're going from solopreneur to entrepreneur, when you're starting to scale, that gets really cloudy. And I think a lot of people that like find themselves just like hire, you're just like, okay, I need more support. So I'm going to hire someone. And then all of a sudden you have a team and your company, not a solopreneur anymore. Right. You don't always go, I think especially small businesses, you don't always go through the like due diligence of like making a strategic plan, like figuring out what you're doing here, fall like wraps around to the project management stuff. It leads to you having like a scattershot approach where you're not being intentional about what you're doing. And you're just like 
like you said, picking up those or following those shiny objects and picking up whatever comes down the pike. I think it's critical no matter where you're at on the entrepreneur spectrum, Mm -hmm. but especially when you move from solopreneur to company, you have to think differently about that. And you need to like think super intentionally about it because you're not the only one who's depending on that anymore. Right, right. And I think that we grow our businesses for the sake of growth a lot of times, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're hot, but we've uh, got a groove on. You know, as a solopreneur, we do things, we manage projects a certain way when it's just us. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, that I ran into as I was growing, I mean, I went from two of us to 22 of us. And we had a a period of time where we were adding people about once every six months for many years, right? And we got up to about 12 in the first 10 years. And then we were adding two or three a year. And within a matter of two and a half years, we doubled in size. Mm -hmm. And so between the two of us and the 22 of us, things just work different. So I think it's important for the listeners to really take note. If you've grown your business at any rate, and as far as how many people are in and around getting business done, you have to take a look at how things are done. Because the more people that are in the mix, the more complex your project management has to be because there's quality assurance, there's timelines, there's more resources, and you got to make sure that the resources aren't bleeding right? And who is in charge of making sure those resources aren't just sitting around wasting you money? Totally. There's people I found when I was, I did a reorganization a few years ago. And when we just basically let everybody go home and said, Hey, if you want to work remote, we're, we're here for you to continue to do that. If you want to get another job, we'll help you do that too. Not a problem. But then when we had a smaller team, we started looking at what everything was, what was not getting done. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy cow, our, we had holes in our project management. Mm-hmm. Even though we had the software and we had people responsible for checking on things and dot, 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 things were getting done, but we had more people than we actually needed. Yeah. Right. And so once we have our priorities straight, what are the best ways for us to approach multiple objectives in our business, regardless of our size? Such a good question. I mean, I think that the first thing is once you get your priorities straight, and this can either be like a systems development type of thing or an audit type of thing, depending on where you are in your the trajectory of your business. I think, like you said, like a lot of people just bring on whether it's people or platforms or whatever you think is going to be that like silver bullet that fixes the problem. And then Mm -hmm. you end up with like seven different project management platforms and this CRM over here and like just all the things, plus a bunch of different people that you have filling those holes. If you're starting in an ideal world, if you're starting out from the beginning, you're thinking really intentionally about your systems and what they are, what gaps they're filling, and who's in charge of them. Mm -hmm. If you're in it, which is where I think most people get, like inevitably, you're just like, okay, I'm going to just like get this thing, fix this thing, stop like these leaks. And then you get like a year or two in and you're like, okay, we've got like a bunch of stuff, but it is still not working. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I will do with folks is do what I call like an operations audit, where you just go through all of the systems that the company is using. And you think about why are we using this? What is it doing? Is it working? Is it not working? A lot of times what I'll do when I do that with folks too is interview key staff and sometimes clients too, just to like talk about how, what do you see as like the operational strengths and weaknesses of this company and where do you think the gaps are? 
what comes out of that is usually a plan for streamlining things. So usually you're subtracting <laughs> things, not necessarily people, but mm -hmm. you're subtracting. Usually it's like apps and platforms or like things, shiny objects that folks got to think that they're fixing a gap, but that they're not actually using. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is like have an operations person, like a systems type process type thinker at the top. And so I think a lot of people underestimate the importance of having some type of like COO type of figure at the mm -hmm. top. It doesn't have to be a full-time person, right? There's all kinds of folks that nowadays do fractional, you can have like a fractional COO um, of mm -hmm. your company, which is again, the beauty of the freelance talent pool right mm -hmm. now in the economy. But having some sort of systems level operations thinker at the top is super important. Unless like you as the founder, if your brain works that way, then maybe you are that person. But like I said, not right. everyone's brain works that way. And I think when the big picture thinkers that usually end up being founders of companies aren't always great at operationalizing things and you end up hiring lower level people to do the operationalizing instead of investing in having someone closer to the top that is really overseeing an entire operational strategy. Is it time for you to streamline what you're doing in your business? Or is it just a matter of getting the right people in the right places? You heard Sarah talk about the need for an operations person and a visionary in your business. I really think that's good advice. And take a look at your structure and make sure that you have both of those at the top. As always, we appreciate when you subscribe. Leave a review if you haven't already. And until next time, be buzzworthy.